to salvation. I see revival, fire in the land. I see the lost, nameless ones remember. I hear the widow shouting out your praise. I see the friendless, loved and celebrated. Orphans fulfilling, Lord, the calling on the lives we say. Do it, Lord, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord, we are praying. Do it, Lord, do it. That's your glory, baby.
morning to everyone. Uh, glad to see the few people that are here that are helping uh, film this morning. Uh, Suzanne, if you wouldn't mind turning on those lights a little bit uh, for us here. Just want to welcome everyone that's watching online today. Of course, we know that uh, uh, we're limited to only 10 people in the building, but I want to thank everyone that decided to watch us online today to be part of Christian Fellowship Church. I know there's many other places you could be watching on TV, other live streams, so we appreciate you being here. We don't have the fanciest equipment like some of the big TV programs. We got two cell phones and an iPad, but we're here to bring the word of the Lord this morning. So like I said, I just want to welcome everyone. Just say that we miss everyone. Uh, this is our second week that uh, we're having to basically do just live stream. Uh, we miss everyone. We're praying constantly for everyone uh, in the church in Louisiana and our nation around the world with this coronavirus going on. So just uh, want to just say welcome and thank you for being with us uh, here. Uh, I know online's not the same as being here. Um, so I do want to encourage you if you first time watching us, once we get back to normal, which we will, we want to invite you to come on out. You know, I, I think uh, watching online is like watching someone's vacation, a film. You know, it's nice, but it's not the same. Uh, you know, being in the house of God is, uh, is not the same as just watching online, but that's where we're at today, and that's what we're going to continue. Again, uh, I started a message last week, which I entitled, As the World Turns, and the uh, reason I kind of made a play on those words was because this turmoil that we're going through, nobody's ever been through before, and it's like a story going on that keeps unfolding each and every day. Last week we talked about, as the world turns, the subtitle was that we could have peace in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the uh, uh, virus. Today I just want to talk about that it, God can. We're, we know God can do all things, amen? So that's where our title is going to be today. But I want to just remind you, uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, if you're watching right now, you're on Facebook. But uh, stay up to date with all the announcements on Facebook. Uh, I want uh, to make sure you understand that you need to go to the Christian Fellowship Church page uh, because some of the announcements may not show up in your feed, but when we do put the announcements about services and different things, uh, we do pin the newest announcements to the top of our page. So actually go to Christian Fellowship Church uh, Facebook page to make sure you get the uh, announcements so they show up in your feed. We are also making CDs of the service this morning, so if you know an elderly person that may not have um, Facebook that goes online that would need a, a, a CD, you're more than welcome to come by tomorrow and pick those things up, uh, CDs up. So one other announcement is as we're doing our uh, adult service in here, just want to remind you that this afternoon at 1 o'clock, our Children's Church Department, New Generations, uh, which is, uh, right down if you want to put that next slide, ages 6 through 11, they're actually going to be going, uh, doing a, a live stream. Well, they're recording it now, but it's going to be published if you put up uh, the next one. Uh, at 1 o'clock today. So at 1 o'clock today, uh, it's not on Christian Fellowship Church page. You have to go to New Generations Children's Church. New Generations Children's Church, we'll leave that for a moment, so you could watch service here today and be with us in service here right now, eat lunch, then at one o'clock, get all the kids, grandkids, get in front of the computer and watch uh, the New Generations uh, uh, program. So again, we just want to wish everyone a happy birthday that's having a birthday this week. 
want to wish everyone that's having an anniversary, happy anniversary this week. I want to just welcome all those that would be watching uh, for the first time. And uh, what we want to do is uh, go ahead and just pray over tithes and offerings uh, this week. Uh, again, we, we mentioned last week, just because we're shut down, uh, energy is still going to send us a bill. Uh, state form is still going to send us a bill. So uh, we, we still need to collect our tithes and offerings and things. And we've got three ways that you could uh, take care of this. Uh, Brother Darren, if you'd put that up on the screen. Uh, remember, you could watch this video again later if you don't catch it now and just pause it on the screen. But the three ways you could bring your tithes and offerings is you could go online to welcomethecfc.com and actually give online. We have an app there that's secure that you could give uh, with a debit card or credit card. Uh, welcome to, to cfc.com or you could mail it the old USPS to Post Office Box 1427 La Rose, Louisiana 70373. So you could send it through the mail or our office will be open on Mondays from 9 to 2. Uh, uh, Sister Wendy, Financial Secretary, will be here that you could drop those things off. Our phone number is area code 985-798-7712. If you want to call to make sure she's going to be there before you come in to drop it off. Again, we'll be here throughout the week, but the office itself is only officially open uh, on Monday from 9 to 12 to take care of the bill, bills and things. We'll be in and out throughout the week doing maintenance and things like that. So uh, if you would, uh, I just want to read a couple of verses of scripture for our call to worship, uh, I mean, our tithes and offering this week. This is from the Amplified Version in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. It says, Do not gather and heap up and store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust and worm consume and destroy, and where thieves break through and steal. But gather and heap up and store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where, where neither moth nor rust nor worm consume and destroy and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then I also want to read from Luke chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. And I want you to remember this scripture, because I may refer back to it a little later in my message. But notice what it says. And you do not seek by meditating and reasoning to inquire into what you will eat, and what are you, you are to drink, nor be anxious, troubled, having your mind unsettled, excited, worried, or in suspense. For all the pagan world is greedily seeking these things, and your father knows that you need them. Aim, only aim and strive uh, for and seek his kingdom, and all these things shall be supplied to you also." So if we would, you could grab your offering if you have it at home and ready to give it. I just want you to say this over your offering. Say, as I give in today's offering, I acknowledge that my life consists of more than the things I have or the things I desire. My life finds meaning in Christ and his eternal kingdom. My life is to be lived as a person who knows where to put my treasures my giving and my money is an investment into the ministry that touches people for eternal destinies. Amen. Amen. So we're going to have our call to worship uh, this morning before Brother Kevin leads us in uh, some worship this morning. So if you would stand to your feet, those that are in here, and uh, 
at home. If you want to stand, you're more than welcome to. Amen. Uh, our call to worship is from Hebrews 13, uh, verse 15. It says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. And verse, uh, Psalms 47, verses 1 and 2 says, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy, for the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. Amen. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this morning. Father, we just come before you this morning. Father, I ask that your spirit would move in this place this morning, Father God, that you touch all those that are watching this morning, Father God, online. Father, I just pray that your spirit would begin to move. We, we dedicate and turn this service over to you today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says amen, amen. Brother Kevin, go ahead and lead us in some worship. Amen.
You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it search the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise treasures the faith never now and you came along and put me back together and every desire now satisfied here in your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing 
know most of us are worshiping online right now. And it's real easy to just be distracted. I just ask everyone where you're at right now just to stop what you're doing. And just begin to turn your focus on Jesus right now. focus your attention on Jesus begin to raise your hands in your house if your TV's on just turn it off and find a quiet place and just raise your hands to him right now and we just give him all the worship he deserves at this time we give him all that worship our God is greater than any situation in our lives. Our God is greater than any disease. Just worship Him. Just worship Him. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make His face shine gracious to you Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine
His favor be upon you in a thousand generations In your family, in your children, in their children, in their children His favor be upon you in a thousand generations In your family, in your children, in their children, in their children His presence will be for you And behind you And beside you All around you And within you He is with you He is with you In the morning In the evening In your coming In your going In your weeping And rejoicing He is for you He is for you His favor upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children His presence before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you He is with you He is with you in the morning moment to get a pencil and paper and your Bibles out as we get ready to study God's Word this morning. Brother Darren, if you'd mind turning on the other lights right now. Um, again, we just want to welcome everyone again. We thank you for worshiping and choosing Christian Fellowship Church this morning to worship online with and uh, those things. I believe I have a, a word from the Lord for us this morning um, that's actually been over, in a, over two years in the making, uh, putting this together with things God had been showing me that I quite, quite wasn't understanding all the way and making a lot more sense these days. Uh, again, wanna, uh, if you would get your Bibles out, uh, it'll be up on the screen, uh, everything we're talking about. Uh, but I just want you to uh, understand that I'm in the habit of saying circle words when I'm reading it because I usually hand out notes. So uh, I want you to have your Bible there, and you could circle these words in your Bible if you would. So please, if I make that, uh, that, that uh, saying, uh, just, just understand I usually hand out notes. I'm realizing I should make a few notes for the people that are here uh, today so they could do that. But uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to begin with As the World Turns, God Can.
Father, I just come to you here this morning. Father, I lay myself down before you today, Father God, and I just pray that every word that is spoken here today, Father God, would be from the throne room of heaven, Father. I bind Satan uh, off of any part of this service from stopping uh, anything from happening, trying to distract things. And Father, I just lift up each and every person that's going to hear your word this morning. Father, I pray that you open our eyes, Father God, that we could see the spiritual truths behind your word today. Father God, open our ears that we can hear the spiritual truths this morning. Father, touch our minds that we're able to comprehend those truths this morning. And also, Father God, touch our hearts and prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen, Amen. Again, as we're living in this storybook time of things that is uh, all new to us, you know, um, uh, pandemics aren't new to the world. In 1918, they had a, uh, a flu pandemic that killed millions of people around the world and things, but it's new in our time. You know, and so w when you're experiencing something for the first time, it, you kind of, you know, don't know how you're going to react. We, we kind of think how we would, we kind of, but once you face something, uh, then you really see how you react. And last week, I talked about peace in the, mi in the midst of the virus. And uh, so you could go back and watch that. Uh, it goes part uh, with this message. And again, once I'm through this message, I want you to go back and re-listen to the songs of worship today. Because again, it could not have been three more perfect songs of what God was doing, you know, uh, and is doing in this world today. So I just want to, again, remind you, I want to put up this slide from last week called Faith, Faith and Fear. And I want you to see what it says here. It says, faith and fear both demand that you believe in something you cannot see. But you choose. You choose how you're going to live. The Bible tells us that we are to live by faith, not by sight. And when you think of faith as being sure of what we do not see. That's what Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us. Faith is being sure of what we do not see and, and, and certain. So fear is the total opposite of faith. When we're fearful of something, what happens? Think about this you begin to imagine the worst will happen. That's what fear is. It hasn't happened yet, but your mind begins to wander on its own, and it begins to believe the worst will happen. And let me put it this way. Fear, worry, and anxiety is a misuse of your imagination. You know, God's given us imagination that we could dream and think of things, but when we use it, when fear comes in, worry comes in, and anxiety comes in, it is a misuse of our imagination, and we got to take hold of that. That's why the Bible says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ and make it obedient uh, in that way. And so we understand we, we walk by faith. The Bible doesn't tell us we walk in understanding, right? It's easy to walk in faith when we understand everything that's going on around us. But when you don't understand God saying, don't walk in fear, walk in faith, that even beyond your understanding, uh, he could keep peace. So 
The key is to fix our eyes on Jesus. The Bible tells us fix our eyes on Jesus. And what I talked about last week is when this coronavirus came around, it was like the lions that roars. And one of the ways the a lion hunts and kills its prey is by its roar scares and paralyzes whatever's in front of it for that split second that he can pounce on it. And it's, it's that scream. If somebody, you know, it's a quiet room and somebody would scream right now in this room, everybody would pause for a second and look where that was. And, and that's where I felt we were last week. And now the dust has kind of settled a little bit and people are starting to come out of that fear that was going on in their life and beginning, you know, uh, to see that God is in control. And all you got to do is watch and see online. Of, of, I love to see how many people are beginning to turn their attentions toward God. You know, uh, many churches are saying that although they're not meeting in a building, they're having more, their views online are more than uh, tripled and quadrupled of even the per- people that would be there that Sunday morning. So we don't know what God's and how he's going to work everything out, but we do know that God uses all things to the good of those that love him. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, and what I want you to understand too, which I mentioned last week, is whatever consumes your thoughts will control your life. Right? When we have fear and anxiety and worry, what we're doing we, is we cannot unfocus from that imagination of the worst thing happening. So whatever consumes my thoughts will control my life. So I need, that's why I mentioned last week, we do need to turn the news off every once in a while. We do need to stay informed, but don't watch it 24-7. You need to find out what's going on, find, find out what those things, then get, get in your word You listen to praise and worship music and worship God. So (laughs) this scripture, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, uh, we're going to be up on the screen. This is the message paraphrase of it, but I really like the way it's going. And I love how this this scripture has become essential in everybody's. You know, I, I love to see when God gives a message to somebody and it's, you see other preachers preaching the same thing all at the same time. That means God's spirit is working and and trying to convey a message. And I love the way it says this. And my people, this is the message paraphrase, and my people, my God-defined people, he's talking to believers here, my people, my God-defined people, and this next word is respond. And that's where I'd say circle it if I gave you notes. That is a key word. God, when we go through a test, God wants to the test us on how we respond to the situation we're going through. And, and that's key. How will we respond? Will we respond in the way God wants us to? Are we going to walk in faith? Or are we going to respond in our flesh and walk in fear? So this scripture tells us four things. It says these things. It says, my God-defined people respond by number one is what? Humbling themselves. Humbling yourselves, you know, means that, you know what? This is bigger than me. And I, God, we need your help. I thank God for all the medical fields and everybody that's working on this, trying to discover a cure. But we need God. This is beyond man's ability. We need God to intervene in this situation. So the first thing is to humble ourselves. 
But the second thing he says is praying. That we need to pray in these situations. And we'll talk about prayer a little bit more in a minute here. So humbling yourself, praying, and then the third thing he says is seeking his presence. And that's why we're still here today, to seek his presence, to worship him. That's why, again, you do that at home on a daily basis. We need to humble ourselves, ask God in prayer, and seek his presence each and every day. And the fourth thing says, and turning their backs on their wicked lives. See, this was to God's chosen people. But he says you need to turn around. In other words, he's saying you need to repent. You need to realize that you need, there's things in our lives that we make mistakes and we need to repent. And as a nation, uh, uh, United States, we need to repent of a lot of things. Taking, you know, we, we, everybody wants to take God out of it, not believers, but the world, the other unbelievers in the United States wants God removed from everything. And we need to repent as a nation of that. They took God out of schools. Uh, I, I think it's a pathetic that when you watch on the news, when they talk, start talking about abortion, that the other day that they had these young ladies that were actually celebrating and so happy that they aborted their child. I want, you to, I want you to understand that is a spiritual battle that's going on. That is total darkness. When they set up little graves of aborted babies and they walked on them, uh, as in mocking that what they were doing, how they have their choice, there is a spiritual battle going on. So we need to repent as a nation. And although we don't believe in that ourselves as being believers, we need to ask God, God, please forgive our country. <coughs> Excuse me. And then he says, once you do these four things, I will be ready for you. I will listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land to health. So I need you to understand that God is, is ready to do things for us. I believe God is, is trying to take his church, trying to uh, church, not just Christian Fellowship Church, body of believers around the world and wake them up. Because I think God has removed everything that people worship. Everything that was so important to people. Sports things, uh, you, you can't go watch your you movie stars on the big screens, you can't do this. God has stri stripped away everything to make us realize we need to focus on Him. You see, a lot of times people, when you talk about, oh, you have another God in your life, oh, I don't worship anything else. But anything that comes before God, anything that you allow unintentionally or intentionally to come before your relationship with God, it becomes more important, becomes a God in your life. And sad to say, I think the church globally around the world, so many people, believers, have kind of made God like, I don't know if they still have those, but in the old days they used to have on the wall a little glass panel that says break, instead of emer break for emergency and you'd pull an alarm would go off. And I think that's where a lot of people in their relationship was with God. Is Yeah, God's still in my life, but I've got Him here on the wall. And if I have an emergency, I'll break. I'll break it and call upon Him. Let me tell you something. God, God's there for you in an emergency, but he, that's not what He's only there for. And God will never take a back seat to anything. God wants to be first in your life uh, above everything. 
Again, backward prayer. It says this, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Anxious means what? Worrying, anxiety, all those things. Again, a misuse of our imagination. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, he says, by prayer and petition. Petition is another way of prayer, asking of something. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look what verse 7 says. Once you do that, he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Something supernaturally happens in the spirit world that when we're facing trials and everything that's going on, if you lift it up in prayer to God supernaturally, beyond, that goes beyond our understanding, God's peace can be upon you. And, and I, I'm almost amazed at how much peace I, 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 I even asked myself with all this going on, how I got so much peace about the situation. You know, we're here this morning and we're worshiping God, uh, still healthy, and all these things are going on, and, and, but there's still a peace and there's always been a peace. You say, when we're going through something, I wanted to let you know if you're still worried about it, if you're still anxious about it, that means God still wants you to pray about it. You continue praying about it. If you're anxious about it, guess what? You're still believing the worst is going to happen. If you're worried about it, you're still believing bad is coming out of it instead of good. So God's, that's God's cue to you. Is if I'm still anxious and worried, God's saying you still need to continue praying more. Until you reach that point that you have peace in the situation, that God is in control. Because reality, what's happening is when I become anxious, uh, sometimes I'm, I, I begin thinking, well, God is this bigger than you. God, instead of saying God can, you, be, you begin, I, I wonder if he can. Can God? Instead of saying God can, which is the total opposite of what we're going to be talking about in, in a few minutes. <coughs> Excuse me. So turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses three, uh, 20 through 21. says this, now to him who is able to do. I like that. Now to him who is able to do. So in other words, he's saying God can. It's not questioning can God. See, can God means that's a question. I'm not sure if he can. But God can is a statement. And that's what he's saying here. Now to him who is able, God can do immeasurably more then notice what it says. All we ask. What is asking God? That is prayer. So to, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And, and again, if you just sit and think about that statement there. That even the, what you could imagine isn't even... God's beyond the scope of even what you can imagine him doing. He could do more than you could even imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory uh, in the church and in Christ Jesus. And I, I want you to catch this part throughout when? All generations forever and ever. 
So this is telling me that God's Spirit that is at work within us is still at work within us. It didn't end in the book of Acts. Okay? He's saying forever and ever throughout generation through generation. So what God did in the book of Acts is still alive today. God can do it. Jesus healed people, He still can heal people today. God gave me two scriptures Wednesday night uh, in prayer. Uh, again, we didn't have prayer service here Wednesday night because of uh, everything going on. And let me just mention, our Wednesday services right now are just going to be postponed until uh, the... Uh, I keep calling it lockup. <laughs> lockup is, is over when, when uh, we, we could go places and things. And uh, with a few cases in, La, in Lafourche Parish and things, we want to be cautious. We're not canceling prayer. We're just changing the meeting place. Okay? And we ask that uh, until further notice on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, find a quiet place at your house and for an hour go into prayer. Until we're, until we're able to come back and pray together on Wednesday nights. But God gave me a couple of scriptures here that Wednesday night. He says, Psalms 121 verse 7, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will keep you from all harm and He will watch over your life. Now I want to just share this second scripture here. And then I'm going to share a few things with you um, that God had shown me over the last two years, actually. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Think about that. Have I not commanded you? What, what does that mean? Is God saying, have I not... Is he saying, haven't I suggested to you if you feel like? What is a command? A command is something he's telling you you need to do. He says, have I not commanded you to do this? To what? Be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you not to be afraid? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And... This scripture really ties into what we're going to be talking about. Um, if you want for a second, you could kind of turn over to uh, Psalms chapter 78, 78. That's where I'm going to be going to in a couple of minutes. But where it's saying, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? This is uh, not to be afraid, don't be discouraged. This falls into everything I'm going to be talking about because <coughs> two years ago, I've never been a person that dreams much. Or I never could remember my dreams. <laughs> One of the two happens. My wife dreams all the time and tells me all this. But two years ago, approximately, I kept having a recurring dream. I mean, several times a week. And as plain as day, I could remember it all the time. And every week, same thing. People were different in the dream, but the dream was the same thing. The dream was... We were, me and, and it's always been believers that were in the dream. And I think that represents the church as a whole, not just Christian Fellowship Church, the body of Christ, was always on, the, on a vacation 
that we had been on for a long time. And I always kept telling everybody, we need to get back. We need to come home. We need, we need to start preparing and you know, returning things we may have rented and all these things, and, and we need to prepare. We can't stay here any longer. We need to get back. And I believe that dream, again, it was always with believers that we have maybe as a body of believers let things come in between our relationship with God. And that's what I was talking about. We always had them as that little emergency box, but God says, I don't want to be your emergency box. I want to be front and center in your life. And it's always was with believers. And I, I, this was going on. I had shared it with my wife for over two years, probably three to four times a week, I'd have that dream. And it just as real as it could be, I always would remember it. And it's like, why I keep having that dream? And I believe God is, was sharing that he's calling his people back, that we've drifted off. We let things come in between us. And I'm myself guilty. I, I was in the dream. I was on vacation too, okay? So don't take this the wrong way. So we were there, but God is calling us back to him. Then this Wednesday night after prayer, I had my time of prayer at home. That night I woke up so many times. But the odd thing was, God was showing me the number two. <coughs> I never had anything like that happen in my life. First time I woke up, it was 1102. I woke up at 12.02, woke up at 1.02, woke up at 2.22. Then I woke up at 3.02. And I don't know about you, but it starts to get your attention that every time you look at the clock, the number two is there. And I felt in my spirit that God was showing me that number two. So I looked up the, one of the biblical meanings of that is the number two is actually the first number that evenly could be divided and it stands it biblically one of the meanings is it, it separates it's a division and then I, as I start researching it and uh, I believe God was showing that that number is what's happening to the church it's kind of separate it, it's kind of let things come between us and him another thing is that that God is calling us back to separate from the world to let those things that have taken place in our life, we need to separate and return back to Him. That God, God is calling that. And th this is what I truly believe that, that is going on uh, here. So uh, he, I believe God's calling His church to come back to Him, to, uh, to separate themselves, to be holy and a true servant of God and quit. <coughs> Again, what we're going through at this time, that how you see God's basically pulled down all the idols out of our life. Right? Everything that was occupying anybody's times, whether it's sports stores and all these things, he has totally stripped. He has even stripped worship. You know, it, you could have a religion, but not have a relationship with him. And he's actually pulled out, you know what? Even just the, the church, just gathering, you know, I used to joke that when I was a kid, we went to church, and it was almost like, well, I'm going to church out of duty. 
rather than relationship. And that I almost felt like, well, you know, when you walked through the door, God seen you come through and said, pulled out your little pamphlet and he took a stamp and, all right, he came to church today. He done his good deed for the week. You know, just a religious thing that God is saying, no, I'm, I'm stripping back everything and I'm calling you to seek me and only me, to seek that relationship with me. So I believe that, and through Scripture, you always see when God is going to move something, have something happen, that He takes you from glory to glory, is where you're starting and where He wants you to be. There's always something in between a test that we have to go through, right? You never have a testimony without a test, without having to go through. And the test is going to be that I have to rely and walk in faith. <clears throat> that God's going to do whatever he needs to do. I have to trust him all the way. So the first part I want to talk about this morning is probably the most uh, famous time that we talk about in the Old Testament is when the Israelites were enslaved to Egypt and God called them out to set them free. And they were enslaved to Egypt for a long time and the way God got his people to be free was what did he bring? Plagues in Egypt. Right? He brought plagues that came across Egypt that caused the leader to, to say, y'all get out of here. And it's important that we realize what he, God's intention was to take him from slavery to the promised land. The promised land was God's desire and where he wanted them. But guess what? In between slavery and the promised land was the test of the desert. God's saying, do you trust me to deliver you? He says, I, I'm calling you out of Egypt by faith to make it to the promised land. But what happened in the desert, in the testing, people began to question God. Can he really <coughs> do this? So just as the nation of Israel needed a, a, a lesson in trust, I believe God is giving us a lesson as believers right now in trust, to trust Him. Right? It, we don't like, none of us enjoy the test we're going through. But that's the only way God can let you know where you stand. See, the test isn't for God to figure out where you stand. God already knows your heart and how you will, what your actions will be in the test. The problem is we don't know. We think we're going to pass with flying colors. But guess what? When the struggle comes, how will we respond? As Second uh, Chronicles seventeen fourteen says, how will you respond in that? Remember Peter? He, was, he rebuked Jesus and told Jesus, I'll never deny you. And Peter believed 100% in his heart that that, would, that was the truth. But God had to let Peter go through that test to show Peter, Peter, your intentions are well. I know you believe you have this supernatural faith and trust. But I have to show you where you really stand. And that's the test that we go through. God is taking us through this time to reveal our hearts to ourselves because our, God already knows our hearts. So I want you to understand as we're talking about this, in the middle of the test, if we're not careful, we'll see our testimony, the word we speak. Instead of saying, 
God can ends up turning into can God. See, before the test, after the test, when everything's going great, we all shout hallelujah and God can, God can. But in the middle of the trial, if you're not carefully careful, your testimony will change from God can to questioning can God. And that's what this message is about today. And we'll see this uh, through scriptures here. But I want you to know that the God we serve is still the Lord of Lords. He's still the King of Kings. Coronavirus may be in the land, but Jesus does not bow down to coronavirus. That he could, he, God is still God, and God is in control. He is, let me say this. God can still do everything he's ever done. You know, a lot of times we read in the Bible all oh, these great miracles God's done, and it's like he can't do them no more. Oh, he, or he only done it for in the past, but that's not what the Word tells us. He's, he's there from generation to generation. That what he's done in the past, he could, do, he could do more than you can ask and imagine. God can. So when you leave today, here today, and those watching online, I want you to have this confession by this afternoon that no matter what this virus does, I still know God can. So let's uh, <coughs> read from uh, Psalm 78, verses 12 through 16 right now. God calls the Israelites out of Egypt. He says, He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors uh, in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zone. He, he divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them uh, with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire at night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. Verse 16 says, He brought streams out of the rocky crag and made the water flow down like rivers. God had done all kind of miraculous things for them. But notice when you jump down to verse 19 what happens. It says, But they spoke against God. Now what this kind of means is they began complaining. They began questioning that things weren't going how they envisioned in their mind. What they thought were going to happen. They began speaking against God. They were no longer, he's done all these miracles and things, but then they began wanting God to give them meat. God to do all these things. God was providing manna for them and all these things, but we, we, they wanted more. They, God wasn't doing enough. Remember in our offering scripture, it says the hunger and thirst after God, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to do, because the pagans worry about that. God already knows what you need. And here, here they are, they're in the wilderness, and they begin, listen, God did not call them out of Egypt to make them die in the desert. God did not call them out of Egypt to let them suffer in the middle of the, in the test and not provide for them. God's plan was always to call them out, provide for them, and bring them into the promised land. But the people began... The hardest thing is when you're in the, in the trial, you begin looking back. And although they were in slavery and complaining and wanting their freedom in Egypt, think about this, they were complaining and wanting their freedom in Egypt. God brought them freedom, but they began looking back. They began longing 
to be back. That's where, that's where it talks about that they were complaining to God. That they were almost saying, God, I, I think I'd rather go back there. And that's what, that's what they actually said. They said, God, why did you bring us out here to die in the desert? We would have been better off staying back. We were better off as slaves and began grumbling against God, which means they began not trusting God. Uh, another example of that <coughs> is remember when uh, the angels went down to Sodom and Gomorrah and was removing Lot's family from Sodom and Gomorrah before God brought judgment on the things? What did they say? When you leave here, leave, but do not look back. Now, as they were walking out, Lot's wife looked back. And it's not just the act of looking back. Uh, it, when, when you read and, and study more, is that she looked back with a longing to still want to be there. And God turned her into a pillar of salt. See, the, it, God's gone and we can't look back, you know, on, on those things. And let, let's continue going. So they spoke against God, complaining, longing to go back. They said, notice this, instead of God can, look what it says, can God. Think of what we just read. He, he parted the sea and had them walk through it. He done all these. He, he had Moses strike a rock in the middle of the desert, and water came out. But all of a sudden, they began. Well, can God? They began to question God. Can he really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock, and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he? Again, questioning if he is able. <coughs> Can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? You see, they begin to complain that God wasn't doing enough. God was in their situation. But he had taken them from Egypt and bringing them to the promised land. But he's bringing them through a test of, of walking in faith. And notice what verse 21 says. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob, and his wrath rose against Israel. Why? For they, they, they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Think of that statement. He called them out and bringing them to the promised land. They're all excited, but then once they're in the middle of the trial, they begin to question, can God really do it? Can God bring me all the way? And they began to tr uh, question his deliverance. Now think about this uh, scripture. It's in uh, uh, Hebrews eleven six. I forgot to put it in the screen up there. But it says, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Think of that, that scripture in Hebrews and put it right there. They began to question and trust God's ability to deliver them. And Hebrews tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God, can I say it, if it is or not, but it, it could be very well be a sin when I begin to doubt God in our life. 
That's why we need God's mercy and grace on our life all the time. You know, so many people think, well, uh, you know, I got my life together now and I don't sin, but I... Baloney. You're sinning when you don't even think you're sinning. Okay? The Bible tells us the most righteousness of a man is as a filthy rag in the eyes of the Lord. And that filthy rag talks about a rag of a woman on her menstrual cycle. That's the best you could be. So every day, even though I think I'm God's man of faith and power, I am still nothing but a filthy rag without Christ in my life. And I need God's mercy and grace. Because I believe as as he was angry with the Israelites trusting their deliverance, I think he still, it hurts him when we don't trust him in areas. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to just read uh, from Daniel chapter 6, if you want to go to Daniel chapter 6. going to be a good bit of scripture, but I want to show you something of how God's trying to take us from one place to the other in his church. I believe he's calling his church to come home. I think he's calling his church to become serious about their relationship with him. I think he's calling us to put aside those idols, those things that we allow to take his place that come up and are more important than him and those things. And I want you to see a young man, Daniel, and everybody's, most people are familiar with the story of Daniel and the lines then. And I want to just look at a few things that went on here. Daniel has come up through the ranks uh, in, in uh, this government here. And uh, uh, he, he gets a few enemies. That, uh, how many of you know that we, we as believers, the enemy, the devil doesn't like us? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Daniel had to rose up. And was worshiping God, but the enemy, his enemies there, didn't want. They did not want to worship Daniel's God. They did not want Daniel around. They wanted him destroyed. But Daniel's faith is what carries him through. Daniel, we're going to see that Daniel shouted, God can. He never doubted God in this situation. So let, let's, uh, let, let's look, begin in verse 6. So these administrators and satraps, these were the guys who were totally against them. They were mad at Daniel. They didn't want nothing to do with him. They wanted him dead. They went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. Now what they were doing was they were going flatte him. Now, those are watching him from other states, flatte means flattering him. They're all buttering him up. Oh, King Darius, oh, you're so great. You're, you're, everything's going so good. He says, the raw administrators, uh, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty shall be thrown into the lion's den. That anyone who would worship any other god. Now what I'm telling you, remember earlier, that things become gods in our life, whether you think they are or you think they don't. The problem is, a lot of gods in people's lives, they don't realize they're gods. They're controlling their life and they don't realize it. 
the true God is back in the thing and got the little hammer to break the glass. When I'm in an emergency, I'll call upon you. But they let so many things come between them and God. He says, your majesty shall we... Uh, your, your majesty shall be thrown into the lion's den. Verse 8 says, Now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were setting him up. They knew he loved Daniel and he cared for Daniel, but they began flattering him and they caught him in a trap. He says, In accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. In other words, write this in the law that for the next 30 days, no one can worship a God of any kind or a person of any kind. The only thing they can worship is you, king. And he said, they said, make this in writing, put it into law. So if anybody breaks that law, there is nothing anybody could do except they will be thrown into the lion's den. Uh, so verse 9, so uh, King Darius put the decree in writing. Now Daniel, uh, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, I love this, he says, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. See, the enemy comes in and he wants you to stop. He wants to shut you down. But God, we need to stay faithful to God. Daniel knew that if he would be caught, he'd be thrown into the lion's den. And he said, I don't care. If I'm thrown in the lion's den, I know God can protect me. God can save me if he wants to. He says this. Uh, what verse am I on here? Uh, verse 10. I'll begin reading verse 10 again. Now, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home upstairs to his room with the windows open. He didn't care who seen him toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Verse 11, then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, and notice what? Asking God for help. In all things, in all situations, pray unto him, asking God for help. In verse 12 says, So they went to the king and spoke uh, to him about his royal decree. Now, can I tell you they didn't just show up by Daniel's house altogether at the same time by accident? It was all their plan to have Daniel killed. <coughs> the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But when the enemy went for good, went for harm, God turns it around. Like, I, I see a victory. It's God's battle. With the enemy meant for harm, God turns into good. And notice what happens. These people are trying to remove God out their nation. And the very thing they're trying to do, at the end, you're going to see, is that God does the total opposite. So they went to, to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree during the next 30 days that anyone who prays to any God, human uh, being, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, in other words, inside of the we got them. We won. We got this. We, we, we've... We want Daniel is going to be thrown to the lion's den. We don't have to hear about his God no more. We don't have to anything. They say, we want. He says, they said to the king, Daniel, 
who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or uh, to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, now notice, the king liked Daniel. He was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Now what I want you to see there is although the king liked him and the king made every effort, the king was nothing but a man. And we can't look to man to rescue us. We have to look to God. The king done everything, man done everything he could to rescue Daniel, but he still couldn't. That's why we need to humble ourselves, knowing that it's bigger than us, that what we're going through. It says, when the, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. Again, sundown to say in verse 15. When the men went as a group to the king Darius and said, Remember, your majesty, that according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him in the lines then. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, how? Continually. You've never let anything come between you and your God. You're faithful to your God. May he do what? Rescue you. A storm was placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. That was their security system. They marked it with their rings that if anybody broke that seal, they would know that somebody helped them in this way, and they would throw them back in. So they marked it, not only with the kings, but all their officials. He says, Then the king returned to his palace, and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. He could not sleep. Verse 19 says, At the first light of dawn, the king got up, and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. In other words, he was saying, Daniel, was your God able? Was your God able? Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lines? And to his surprise, he hears Daniel's answer. May the king live forever. My God sent an angel, and he shut the mouths of the lines that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, uh, your majesty. Verse 23 says, The king was overjoyed and gave these, the orders to lift Daniel out the den. And when Daniel was lifted out the den, no wound was found on him. And here's the key. Because he had trusted, he had trusted in his God. He never doubted his God. He always knew his God can. He never said, God, can you? I don't know if you can. All right, it says, God, God, God can. At, at, the, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel, 
And here's the rescue. Here's where God takes what the enemy went for harm to turn it to, to victory for your good. At the king's command, the men who falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. Now, look out at this. And before they even reached the floor of the den, they were thrown in, and before they landed on the ground, the lions overpowered them and crushed them, all their bones. The king, and then the king Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all the earth. And he says this, and, and this is what I like. As the Israelites made it to the promised land, right? The land flowing milk and hungry, and God's taken him here, and he says this. This is the new decree from the king. May you prosper greatly. And why is this? Because Daniel just trusted God. Uh, he says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end because he rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the line. They wanted to wipe Daniel and his God from their nation. But Daniel's trust in God brought revival in the land. That the king decreed that everyone now would worship him. And I see this beginning to happen in the United States. That God is waking people up again. He, God had shared a few years ago with me that a, a, a shaking before the awakening was coming. And we're seeing because of this tragedy that we're going through, people are beginning to call to God and look to God. So I want you to read, I want to read one more verse of scripture from you from Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And I believe what Joshua was basically saying is we need to get the main thing, God, to be the main thing in our life again. We've let too many things come back uh, in between us and God and our relationship with him. Joshua 24, 15 says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose from, for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Now notice what he says. You're, you could serve uh, whether the gods of your ancestors that served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of, your, of the Amorites whose lands you're living now. In other words, you could, have, you could worship other things in life. You could put other things before God. But Joshua said, but as, for, uh, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I think God's bringing the church back to, the, to that point where he's saying, look, you want to worship your idols? You want to worship your sports? You want that to be the most important thing in your life? You choose. But he says, I'm calling my people back to me. I no longer want second place in their life. I do not want to take a back seat to no one or no thing in life. I need to be in there. And I believe he's telling us we need to come off our vacation and get serious about him and come back to him. So if you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here today. Simply believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world 
that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. And if you think about when God was bringing the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, the last thing that he done to set them free was a death and you came. And God said, take a lamb, kill it, and sprinkle that blood over the doorpost and the death angel will pass over your house. And I think that's what we need to do as a nation is plead the blood of Jesus over us. Jesus was God's sacrificial lamb in, in the New Testament. So we believe that Jesus died, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, that we could walk in him. And so if you've never accepted the Lord, I want you just to say this simple prayer inviting Christ into your life right now. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I fall short in many areas of my life. But I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe that he has risen and is seated at your right hand side. I invite Christ to come into my heart to be Lord of my life and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I just want to mention one more thing. Many people want Christ as Savior of their life, but they don't want him as Lord of their life. You can't have it both ways. He is Lord and Savior, and Lord means in control of your life. That you, The Bible tells us you are no longer your own, you are bought with a price. So live a life worthy of the calling that God has given you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Um, we're going to be here next week. Uh, at least we are. I don't know what's going to be the next. next uh, as rules change again, please go to Christian Fellowship Church Facebook page every day and check for the latest post. Don't rely that it will show up on your uh because it doesn't always do that. So you'll always have the latest uh, information on there. So God bless you. We love you. Amen.